conversations to give insight into human behavior and promote mental health wellness. I'm Dr. Kyle Osborne, and with my co-host, Dr. Jason Coleman, we'll discuss health topics, everyday life issues, and try to give you a better understanding of yourself, other people, and the world around you. So just sit back, relax, and hopefully you'll leave with some information that'll have you living your best healthy life. Thanks for listening and enjoy the podcast. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, once again, as if we never left, it's the Black Psychologist Podcast, also known as the eighth wonder of the world. Appreciate everyone being here with us today. You could be anywhere else in the world, but you're here tuning in to us, and we're grateful for that. I am one half and your humble, gracious host, Dr. Kyle Osborne. He is I, and I am him. And of course, all of our longtime viewers and listeners know I'm not flying this aircraft by myself. I'm here with the one and only Mama Ain't Raised No Fool. Put him anywhere on God's green earth and he'll triple his worth. The undisputed, undefeated champion psychologist of the world, Dr. Jason <laughs> Coleman. What's going on, good brother? My man, what's good, bro? How you been, man? I'm good, man. We're here. We in full, uh, full spring mode. Spring, man. Definitely, the weather's man. breaking. No more hailstorm, hopefully. You know, we're doing all right. What's up with you? Chilling, man. Just enjoying, you know, a couple of these uh 60 degree days. Yeah. You know? So I'm happy about that. Um, happy to be back doing like a semi-regular kind of scheduled thing. Um, and you know, of course, just want to thank everybody that takes the time to listen. Um, appreciate everybody that's been riding with us um and all of that good stuff, you know. Absolutely. Yes. Please, please. We've been getting a lot of good feedback and conversations and things in the comments. So uh, everybody that's on the DSPs, appreciate you guys listening, watching, subscribing, continuing to like and comment. Um, Jay, you just brought up a good idea or just kind of activated a thought. It's nice and warm. So absolutely. While you're continuing to get your mind right, you also want to look right. So make sure you go to shopmentalhealthclothing.com. So when, you know, it's that time of season, sun's out, gun's out, and you can feel good with your mental health. You know what I mean? There you go. My man, my man. You know? And let everybody know where they go if they if they want to make that, in addition to looking good, if they want to make their heart and their self feel good, if they, you know, donate the cat's closet, where do they go? Well, I'm happy you mentioned that, good brother. Because here we are, absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. We're getting ready to do a quick donation later on this week. So this is, again, uh, donating some hoodies, some sweatpants, some uh, thermal shirts, flip flops. Uh, We're going to be donating to another homeless shelter down in Philadelphia. That's Cammie's Closet Community Closing Project. Um, It's a nonprofit that myself and my partner uh, that we co-founded late last year and this is going to be our third donation coming up we're really excited about it more clothes for the homeless population and for those that are in need so absolutely we encourage those to um please you know um fund and contribute again we give brand new uh clothing brand new free clothing package never worn to the homeless population so go to camiescloset.org. That's K-A-M-I-S closet.org. There are links. Um, Camie's Community Closet on social media. Yeah, man. We're uh, trying to make a little bit of a difference out there. So, you know, sometimes when people want to give back to uh, the homeless population, we see people on the street. You don't have money. This is another alternative. So 
Appreciate you highlighting that, good bro. Hey, listen, man, everybody check it out. And y'all, you know, y'all doing y'all thing. You know, it's a true hustler right here. He got the, he always has the product right there on the deck. You know? It is. Um, and listen, check out the Instagram page. Y'all doing y'all thing for real. So that's what's up. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. All right, let's get it going because we got a lot of things to get to, right? All right, so let's start on the political end. All right, Jay, so three North Carolina Republicans are supporting the efforts to do away with, guess, participation trophies in government-run youth sports leagues. All right, so the GOP-backed bill... um, that was filed last week would bar local government and operated youth sports or recreational groups from giving awards for participants based solely on their participation. All right. And restricts awards to those that are based on identified performance achievements. So the proposed ban, of course, were required to support the state Senate, the house, and would need a signature um, from the North Carolina governor, uh, Roy Cooper in order for it to become a law. One of the proponents or one of the uh, aforementioned Republicans for for the bill said the reason for the bill calls past sports. Right. So what he said during an interview, he says, we're not teaching our children. uh, I said what we're not doing is teaching our children is to be prepared for life, but be prepared for failure. He added when kids are growing up, they're being taught that it's okay just to be okay, And you don't have the best or you don't have to be the best. So, of course, you know, the. the alternative or some of the other different individuals that are still for particip- um, participation trophy says competition is fine and acknowledging who ran the fastest or through the ball far. This is all good. He said, but why in the world would you want everyone to have that sense of community um, and belonging? It's preposterous and a colossal waste of time. So that's what the opposite um, folks on the opposite aisle are saying about having or keeping participation trophies. Jay, where do you uh, where do you fall and what, what, what's your take on this? I mean, listen, I don't want to get you crazy with it. Um, I do think, you know, the fact that we're kind of talking about this particular issue, it was it's a little extreme of a move in this case, right? Um, in terms of, you know, trying to get a bill through where all government, you know, sports, where we're not, where we're outlawing it, right? I think it's a little extreme because there's too many different sports, too many different cases. Like you can cut this issue up too many different ways, right? And what I mean is, do I think that competition in sports should be eliminated in general? Absolutely not, right? I think there's valuable lessons in competition. I, I think if somebody comes in first, there's a distinct difference between somebody that comes in first, who's the winner, and somebody who comes in fourth that maybe just work just as hard, but they need to work harder if they want to become first, right? That's cut and dry. That those are scores, rankings. That's kind of how society <laughs> uh, functions in general, right? So there's an argument that taking that away is not preparing children for what the real world kind of has, which means setbacks, right, and failures at times. But it's a little bit extreme of a view because I am of you know the belief that you know if we're all on the same football team. Right. We're all on the same wrestling team. We're all on the same baseball team. Right. We're going to have guys and girls on that team that might be junior varsity. Right. That might get not get a chance to, to start. Right. We expect them to support the other teammates when they score, cheer for them. These are the people that get, you know, the stars ready in practice. These are the people that they're practicing against 
Iron sharpens iron. So am mm-hmm. I against, at the end of the year, voting best practice squad player, giving everybody a certificate for being a part of the team, that sense of community? No, right? But that's very different than everybody's MVP. You know what I mean? So that we don't hurt anybody's feelings. So I'm just, again, I'm not going to get too crazy with this. Um, I think it's a little extreme um, because I think the individual coaches and teams should have enough autonomy um, and we should be reasonable enough as adults to know the difference between like giving somebody a certificate to acknowledge their participation and giving everybody a, a trophy. So for me, participation trophies are great and beneficial for like promoting inclusivity, right? So I'm okay with them up into a certain age or developmental point for the reason that, point. you know, let's, let's be honest. Like, I, I feel like as like kids are way smarter than we're giving them credit for, right? Mm-hmm. They're way more aware of their social surroundings. Like kids know when you get to a certain age, you know, when, other kids have more skill on the court or on the field, right? Your, your children know that participation trophies aren't the same as winning first place. Like you were saying, some kids are going to get like the solo parts in the class play or in the orchestra and others won't, right? Mm-hmm. Somebody's going to be the star player and you're going to have some folks that are on the bench or just role players or, or what have you. So I feel like, we're insulting their intelligence and we're kind of not giving them the credit that's due as adults. If we're going to sit here and say like, Oh, well, by the time they get in grade school or middle school, let's just give everybody a certificate or a trophy and act like they don't know the difference. Like parents, it's always been this notion that, Oh, well, we're trying to spare them. We're trying to keep everyone involved. Like, no, like they're aware of that. Like giving them a trophy is not going to make them feel much better. And like, Oh yeah. I'm like, no, they know that they're on the team. Right. They know that, Jimmy is the best player or <laughs> yeah, they, they know who's who, like, you know, like who really works hard. Like, Oh, so-and-so was really good. Like you don't need to at the end of the year and be like, Oh, here, you know what? For like, you're saying these, whether it's JV or varsity, like, Oh, well, you're on the team. So you get the trophy, you get a trophy too. Like, no, like yeah. that, that we don't need to do that. And I feel like we're kind of already, it's redundant at that point. So after a certain age where kids are just kind of running around and they're not really doing anything like on the soccer field, like I feel like that's cool. Everybody gets a trophy. All right. That's the, but once as you're getting older and older, you're getting at six, seven, eight years old. I don't think it's necessary because it defeats the purpose. Right. It's we're beyond that inclusivity aspect and trying to make them feel good about being on the field. You know I mean, yeah, I'm glad you said that. Right. Um, and I'm going to just wrap it up with this. Like I, I'm 100 percent on board with you. Right. Because as you was talking, I wrote down the first grade, third grade. And what I agree with you about, especially is when you said age at a specific age of developmental point. Right. Yeah. And that's why I think it's an extreme move, because we already have things already in place because you you don't hear about in mass. Right. Every time I, I was every time every sport I participated in as a as a young kid. Right. In T-ball, like they kind of kept score, but if the score got up too high, then they stopped keeping score, right? Basketball, soccer, if you're playing like up until about second, third grade, if you're playing like another team and it's clearly a different like skill level, they cut the score off after a while. Yeah, you get the whole mercy rule. Because it's the mercy rule, right? And they even usually have that up until like elementary school to a certain degree, right? Mm -hmm. Um, 
And that's usually just two reasonable adults, like looking over the sidelines, like, you know, we just going to let them play. Right? <laughs> like, yo, to, yo, get this wrap you know it up. So, so that's what I'm saying. Like, it really, this kind of really sounds more to me like, you know, sometimes politicians need an issue, like a hill to die on. They need an issue to kind of run on. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's election time coming up, you know, and whatever, whoever these politicians are specifically, like they kind of want some talking points and to talk about, you know, a lot of times they introduce these bills knowing that they're never going to pass, that they can say they introduced it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, and this is, this argument's been going on for the betterment of 20, 30 years, right? As far right. as it is, is, and contrary to the idea that participation trophies keep kids from trying hard or, um, I feel like it does the opposite for the reason that, okay, like you said, one, they're at a certain level, right? So everybody knows what a participation trophy is, but generally speaking, like most kids want to stand out in some form or fashion, right? They don't want to just be on the team and getting the same trophy as everyone else. Because again, it's like, all right, well, no, I want the MVP trophy, right? I want to be the best player on the team. Like what sets me apart from other people? Like when little Timmy's in the driveway and he's practicing, taking the the final shot or hitting that the last inning or game winning home run he's he's not practicing like he's on the bench passing it to the person or he's taking the shot right right he's hitting that game winning home run or throwing the the game winning touchdown like this is what makes them want to work even harder right that's why i feel like okay if i want to be best i want to set myself apart Right. And if I'm keeping with that same notion where or the old age where they're like, oh, well, it keeps kids from trying. No, it doesn't. Like. Kids want to stand out. Right. They want to be yeah. the person they want to be the star of the team, generally speaking, of course. But like you're going to have some people that are going to be role players, but you're going to have folks that want to rise above because they want to stand out in some form or fashion. So they might want to get the league MVP or they might want to get whatever first place trophy in the race or whatever the situation is. Right. Because it contributes to the competitive spirit. Right. And that's what makes sports so rewarding and special. Right. When you have people that are competing and training and practicing and so on and so forth. So I feel like, you know, a lot of just this, those old notions and arguments are really like none of void because I feel like they do the opposite. I mean, listen, um, just to kind of wrap up on my end, I just, you know, just in thinking about it, it's kind of like the whole conversation and term is a little bit hypocritical, right, in itself, because the, when I when somebody just says trophy or describe it, inevitably, one of the words that's going to come out is competition, winning. It's not going to be participation, right? <laughs> so the whole word participation trophy is kind of like hypocritical and kind of like ironic all of it all in one right because it's it's kind of it's kind of like polar opposites right because participation it should be more like a participation certificate trophy is for a ranking in my mind so yeah. i mean know, i would love like i said after it gets to a certain point like i would love to go into a high school and you give a varsity player or something a participation trophy or certificate right i, I would love to see what their reactions are going to be like right. get that out of my face right <laughs> All right. So speaking of competition, this past Sunday, all right, it was the uh, the NCAA Women's Championship basketball game. Jay, did you watch? Of course. All right. So it was between for those of um, those individuals that didn't see the game, uh, it was the championship title game between LSU and Iowa. So uh, LSU defeated Iowa in a very highly anticipated game. It was a great game. Uh, which saw two of college's 
star players. I'm talking about men and women. Like these two players are very well known in college basketball. You have Caitlin Clark, who is like Diana Taurasi and Sue Bird, like merged the one. Like she's like 2.0. Like we're talking like female Larry Bird out here, right? That's how talented she is. And then we have uh, for LSU, you have Angel Reese. All right. Angel Reese is a walking double double. I mean, she's like a, a younger Lisa Leslie, Kevin Garnett out there. Like she gets double doubles. She eats the glass, gets putbacks and layups like she she's out there. All right. So this was a game that they were facing off. And since when they got matched up, like this was a really high anticipated game. Um, one moment late in the game, however, has been dominating the conversation in the aftermath of LSU's win. As time was winding down, um, LSU had the game in tow and Reese was flashing the uh, the can't see me gesture of the Clark. Right. So that's for those people. That's the John Cena. You can't see me um, gesture. And she was doing like the, the ring as she was doing it towards her. So uh, as, as the fallout from the game, uh, Reese was subjected to a considerable amount of criticism from a lot of observers and from the media uh, who derided the gesture as, as they mentioned, or as a lot of people have been saying, classless and unsportsmanlike. Many um, other people perceived it as harmless and playful gesture among competitions or among co- uh, competitors. Conversation has also sparked conversations about the racial double standards. Clark, who is white, uh, used the gesture two games earlier in a winning bout against Louisville and was not subjected to any type of critiques. Um, and now that, that Reese has been as a black woman. Uh, so Caitlin Clark actually just recently came out um, in response to the criticism that um, Angel's been getting. And her quote was, I don't think Angel should be criticized at all, no matter uh, no matter." What way it goes, she should never be criticized for what she did. I compete. She competed. It was a super, super fun game. I think that what's going on or what's going is going to bring more people to our game. End quote. All right. So clearly, if Caitlin doesn't feel that Angel should be criticized, I feel like that's one reason that should lend itself to be like, well, what are we talking about? Right. If the person that the gesture was directed at doesn't have an issue with, I feel like other people shouldn't have an issue also. Um, I saw it in real time as I was watching. Um, like I said, the game was completely entertaining. They were going back and forth. Um, mm-hmm. Like it was a, a great game, like completely um, as good as advertised. And and I don't know if this is maybe because of my background, like in sports, you know, you and I, Jay, we watch a lot of sports, right? We're, we're heavy sports fans. We grew up playing sports. Um so I don't know if this is that component that's also lending itself to kind of like my perspective on it, but I didn't see an issue with the gesture or the gloating or the trash talking, however people want to describe it as um, for the reason, like they mentioned, like Caitlin did it earlier in the tournament, right? She did it a couple games prior to it. I think it was like the elite eight game that she, they were playing against Louisville. Um, and she was also during the game displaying like trash talking. Right. Like she would um, like a couple of times in the game, the person that she was guarding, like she would flag them. Right. Like she would flag. I'm like, yeah, go ahead and shoot. So while her trash talking, her gestures weren't as were more subtle. Right. They weren't as overt. Trash talking is trash talking. I mean, right? whether whether you're doing the can't see me or you're you're flagging somebody off or she was doing it like trash talking is trash. Yeah. talking. So you know what I mean, it's un, it's unfair, you know, bro. I- 
I mean, I, I, I know I don't think you're trying to do this, but don't let anybody convince you that this any of this conversation is about oh, no. people people being upset about trash talk on the court. You understand? And people being upset about sportsmanship and aggressive behavior, quote unquote, right? Half of these people that are complaining write and watch hockey, right? They write about and they watch hockey, right? So there's holes in the boat already, right? Second, it's not about trash talk, bro. Like if we know basketball is one of the most, is one of the sports where from playing in our backyards to college, to the NBA, we all know that trash talk comes with the territory, Absolutely. right? There was not, there wasn't even this much controversy, to be quite honest, about Shannon Sharp trash talking with the with, with Dylan Brooks, right. right? There wasn't this much controversy about that. It's about who's doing the trash talk. You understand? Bro, I did not hear any of these complaints because I watched the whole tournament, right? Mm-hmm. Caitlin Clark, who's a great player, Right, she, she is a beast out there. The whole South Carolina team, the whole game, you know what I'm saying? She was talking trash to everybody. It's mm-hmm. a part of her game. Right. Anybody who follows her knows that she's a trash talker, right? And her game is nasty, so she talks trash, right? So after they beat South Carolina, we saw none of these complaints. They were talking about how confident she is, right? Yeah, how boisterous she her is! Swag. Oh my God, look at her swag and the confidence. All of her swag, all of these things, right? And then when she loses, right, we have a harsh and immediate reaction to her opponent doing the same exact thing to her, right? Um, and that's what it's about. It's about who it's coming from, you know. Coming from Angel Reese, all of a sudden we're having a conversation about professionalism on a basketball court and nobody touched each other. Are you serious? Mm. They're not out there playing in suits. You know what I mean? And this is competition and this is my opponent, you know? Um, And you saw people, person after person, melt down and make a fool out of themselves, right? Because the person that they wanted, not the person that they wanted to win lost starting with Keith Olbermann, right? Um, But I think what you start to see is the reason why people are insulted now is because, again, you have the first lady of the United States actually suggesting, right, that these women, the winners, should share their spotlight with the losers because she likes the losers more, right? Sounds sounds like uh, participation trophies right there. That's what it sounds like. And, And you write... You're right, but it's even more than that, right? Because it's insulting on another level because never in history would anybody suggest, right, that going to the White House is a privilege for the winners only, right? So never in history would anybody su- suggest, you know, that the loser should come along, right? And so you, when you start looking at the contrast and how they, the behaviors are treated, how these teams have been written about all year, right? You start seeing black and white, black and white, black and white all over the place, right? So we can't just dismiss people of color as emotional when they get upset and they're looking at Jill Biden like, yo, what the hell is wrong with you? Why would you suggest that? There's no other situation. And it's not about Caitlin Clark just being the best uh, women's basketball player that we've ever seen, bro. Because, listen, we've lived through Diana Taurasi, Sue Bird, Cheryl Swoops. Listen. 
Aaliyah Boston is the number one draft pick coming out. Like, let's not be crazy, bro. Let's not be crazy. I'm not saying she's not good. You know what I mean? But we know what happens sometimes with athletes in certain sports when they show some promise, even if they're ju- only just, even if they're only just average. And I'm not suggesting that Caitlin Clark is average, but what I'm suggesting is that people have to kind of look a little bit beneath the surface at some of the people that are coming out of the blue and supporting her. And then they got to look at her reaction to it. Cause I think she kind of is looking around too and saying something ain't right going on. That's why she's doing these interviews saying Andrew Reese was well within her rights to respond like that. Right. right. So it's not the basketball people that are reacting like this. It's other people, you know, there's the additional element, right? Cause clearly we, you have the underlying racial component. Um, do you think, that if this were the men's tournament and this was going on, would we be even having a conversation about this? No, if this happened, if, if this was the men's tournament, right? And we had um, some young star that was emerging, right? And he was doing the John Cena. Yeah. They would have been talking about uh, NIL money, right? And they would have been talking about endorsements and probably uh, commercials with John Cena. I wouldn't be surprised if, they, if somebody is working on it right now with Caitlin Clark and Johnson. Oh, yeah. Right. No, there was a, there was definitely a tweet that came out like a couple games before where he this, tweeted at her and everything. And that's the bro, thing. Let's let's that's, not play. If right. This was, and, if, this, if this was a male athlete, they would be trying to turn it into a bag already. There exactly. wouldn't be conversations about professionalism, bro. And that and that's the additional double standard. Right. So you have a couple different things that are taking place here. Where because one, she's a female, black female, like you said, we're talking about professionalism. We're talking about all these other different things. Like we have to think about it. Like this was one of the most watched games in history right. of their sport, right? right? Just because of these two individuals. And now it's a situation where the moment that they're allowing themselves to express themselves emotionally during a basketball game, right? Let's keep in mind, this is a, a basketball game. This is a competitive <laughs> sport, right? We have to keep in mind that when they're expressing themselves, now it's an issue, right? Now you're, you're, we're, we're, we're throwing all these other different well, well, negative again, labels as far as unsportsmanlike, not, classless, so on and so forth. But they, again, if it's not the men's, not, we're not having not this conversation. We've well, we got to remember, not they. It's Angel Reese. Well, Angel Reese, exactly, right? Her because again, you had all of these people melt down, and then when they were educated, right? Then when they had people inboxing them videos of Caitlin Clark, basketball people who watched Iowa all year, educating them, then they walked it back and tried to save themselves so it wouldn't oh, yeah. be entirely racial. And they said, "Oh, we think that it's disgraceful for anybody to showboat." Like, come on, listen. Right. The yeah. rules of baseball do not apply to any other sport. So let's stop playing. This is not baseball or golf. It's yeah, not baseball and it's not golf. So we don't expect that type of decorum with basketball. Like, stop playing. I, I didn't like it for the reason that this overshadows their win, right? Because they were hard. Nobody, a lot of people didn't pick LSU to win this. A lot of the favorites were, of course, South Carolina, Iowa, other different teams, they worked hard, right? Because Angel's a, she's a transfer. She just came from the transfer portal, right? Because she came from Maryland. So I feel bad because everything is being shifted and all the criticism is being shifted towards her, where it's like, you know what? No, they actually had a 
decent team the year, right? They won the championship. This is their first championship in school history. Like you have a lot of players that stepped up and played really hard. And all of this, unfortunately, gets is getting more publicity is being overshadowed by this. Where honestly, I feel like, again, like you have these non-basketball related history historians, pundits that are coming in that are throwing out all these other different labels. But this is good for their sport. Like you want their players to be more, you know what I mean? Be more, I guess, is the, the term that's being thrown away, thrown around is authentically themselves. Like you want this, right? You want this personalities because this is what's driving the game. This is what pushes money, right? This is how you get sponsoring. This is how you get funding. Like I'm happy to see all of this. I'm happy to see Caitlin talk this, man. I'm happy to see Angel Reese. I'm happy to see all of them, right? Because this is the personality that drives the sport. Again, are you right? Because it overshadows the real story of the week should have been that all of us, especially myself, who hasn't who haven't been watching women's basketball are fools and got a big education due to this tournament. Meaning I'm gonna be locked in next year. You know what I mean? So that should have been the story this year, is that we got Angel Reese, we got Caitlin Clark, we got Aaliyah Boston, like we got powerhouse teams. Not just Tennessee and UConn. It's a whole bunch of women's teams, and that the basketball is exciting, and we all talking about it. Yeah. That's that's what it should have been about, and that and it should have been shame on everybody, including me, that was late. Right? Absolutely. But what are we talking about instead? We are talking about some BS. So yeah. I'm gonna leave it there. That's unfortunate, man. So, but shout out um, and total acknowledgement. Great work to the LSU women's basketball team. Great season. Absolutely, we'll be locked in next year watching them along with all the other different uh, women's teams. So um, moving right along. Jay, are you ready? There's a new TikTok challenge. All right. So from the not so bright people that brought us the Tide Pod challenge and the Blackout challenge, we now have the Borg challenge. Right. And Borg is an acronym for Blackout Rage Gallon. All right. So what this is, for those people that aren't aware of what Borg is, um, it's, what's, uh, it's in, in which a gallon jug or a water gallon is filled with mixedly, mostly alcohol, often vodka, um, and Gatorade and water. So people have gotten creative with this. Um, they've used like pop culture puns to name their jugs. Um, and when they do it, they get on like TikTok and they're using their Borgs at parties and so on and so forth. So some some of the creative names that they've come uh, have been included as Borg to be wild, LeBorg Le James, Legally Borg, right? Did you say LeBorg James? Hey, LeBorg James, listen, man. I like, <laughs> you got to give them credit. They're very creative and they're hilarious with this, right? As, 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 you know, out of pocket and uh, as foolish as this, this, this challenge is, they're very creative. I'll give them points for that. All right. So this, all, this challenge all came to a head because um, it's been going on for the better part of the year. But it all came to a head during this past St. Patrick's Day when 46 students from UMass at Amherst were hospitalized and 28 ambulances responded to the campus. All right. So. Um, Look, let, let, let's uh, let's call this what this is. All right. Um, I'm not going to be like this is incredibly dangerous for obvious reasons. Right. We're, we're we all know that if, if, as clinicians, I think anybody that is looking at a, a jug or a gallon 
that's filled mostly with alcohol and a little bit of Gatorade and water. We all think we all know that this is not a bright idea, right? <laughs> we we know that for obvious reason. Now, I'm not going to be the old man, get off my lawn, yelling at the clouds. College kids shouldn't be drinking, blah, blah, blah. Like, I'm not going to be that guy. All right. Um, because it's college, right? We know kids are drinking in college. That's what happens. That's what takes place, so on and so forth. Um, and, you know, generally speaking, right, many people, especially college students, don't know how much alcohol they can drink before it gets to that level, right? That's that's just generally speaking, but especially college students, right? Like, I'm all for, hey, you know, it's St. Patty's Day or it's whatever event or whatever taking place and you want to get drunk, Cool, cool, cool. Um, you know what I mean? Like, we've all been there. My concern is more for college students to kind of understand that alcohol blackouts are often more dangerous than they think, right? So mm-hmm. the average jug is about is equivalent, they said, to about 17 shots on average, right? right. 17 shots. We know, again, how dangerous it is in regards to you know, your liver and so on and so forth. But I'm thinking more like just the blackout aspect of it, right? Just the psychological and memory aspect. So for people that don't know as far as what a blackout pertains to, let me do a quick little psychoeducation, right? So pretty much when you blackout, that means you drink too much alcohol too fast. Your blood alcohol has significantly risen very quickly. And that pretty much what that does, that shuts off your hippocampus and you stop creating long-term memories at that particular time, right? So your memory is shot. Uh, so literally, like the next day you wake up, you don't have any memory, right? That's the whole point of a blackout. Like you have no idea what took place. Like you're not going to get those memories back. They're not going to return later on when you sober up. Like there are no memories there. That's the dangerous part. The other aspect of it is since they're mixing it up, I think with caffeine, like the Gatorade or the, the caffeine from the Gatorade, um, Now, the caffeine is a stimulant, right? So like any stimulant, it kind of blunts your response to alcohol. So you might have three or four, five drinks or swigs, as they call it, and you kind of feel like alert, but your blood alcohol is still rising. This, when you have blackouts and anyone that's had a blackout, you have no memory of what took place. That's the dangerous part of it because you don't know what's taking place from whenever you blacked out or you stop remembering shit to when you woke up in that morning or the next following morning or wherever you are. And that's for me where the dangerous aspect comes in, because now you've left yourself in a very vulnerable position. You see what I mean? Anything can take place. Anything can happen, especially in college. Like Jay, you know, and I know things go down at college and you got a lot of kids doing a lot of impulsive things. And this is how things get out of control and you have no memory of it. And you're trying to put things together through other people's recollections who also have a crappy memory because they were drinking Borgs too. So that's more the area and the concern that I'm coming from as far as like, you know, my concerns with the, just the blackout element, because it's not a good position to be in when you don't know what took place like less than 24 hours ago. Yeah, you know I mean, right. now I get, I mean, um, Listen, this is more for me, like more informational purposes. So I'm not going to say too much about this. Um, It's one of these things where I think social media is making it worse, right? Because it's it's a trendy thing now on TikTok. So you could see like, I could see fraternity sororities kind of picking it up and people, you know, just kind of 
you know, kind of doing it around the country at, at certain universities, probably more than others. I mean, listen, it's a strange scene, right? When you look at some of these videos on YouTube of 50, 100, 200 kids all holding jugs, different colors with names written on them. I mean, come on, call it what it is. It's Borg, you want to name it that. I mean, it's just accelerated binge drinking. Yep. Um, but the problem you're going to have if you're really, like if you're putting a fifth, essentially, in some cases, into, you know, like a gallon jug and then diluting it. Again, the problem you're going to have with all the stuff you're mixing up is um, you may not feel as intoxicated as you are, right? Um, and then let's be honest, with the atmosphere, there's going to be more, you see why there was 28 trips, you know, transports to the hospital, right? Because you're going to have a lot of scares for alcohol poisoning because again, just, just peer pressure alone, you're going to have people playing games to empty the jug. You're going to be pouring it in people's mouths, you know? So it's, again, we're talking about accelerated binge drinking, right? You don't even have to walk back to the bar and get another drink. You know, you don't even have to go back to the store and get another drink. Right. So, um, you know, this is going to be a problem. And, even I think even more than the alcohol poisoning, which is probably a, a big consideration, is just the after effects, right? So you could probably have a lot of DUIs, DWIs, right. hurting themselves from falling. You know what I mean? Right. And in the blackout stuff, right? Um, so again, I'm not gonna spend too much time on this, but I think it's something we're gonna have to revisit uh, because you know um, it's it's a uh, it's something I think is going to spread like wildfire. I could see it spreading just like that cinnamon challenge and all of that. Yeah. Um, and if you're in that atmosphere, it's going to be something that you probably want to do, you know? Um, so or yeah, you might, it might be something that you are, are kind of, you know, wanting to do. So. Yeah. That's, that's the scary part because, um, because TikTok and some of the other social media forms, they, with these challenges, they normalize it, right? They normalize it and they glorify yeah. it. And like you said, it, it increases the prevalence and the aftermath aspect is that's, that's the scary part for me, right? Like you mentioned what's taking place between during that blackout time, because typically just because you don't remember, doesn't mean things aren't happening. And like you said, people are driving, people are falling, people are getting into fights, all of these other different things that you have no recollection of. And people are going ham, you know, that that's one of the, um, you know, the benefits of, of, of having a kid. Well, it's a benefit. And it's a scary thing, right. Of having a kid in college. Right. So, you know, you know, baby girls up there um, at a PWI, you know, and I touch base with her like, yo, like what's happening up here? Like, is that going down? She's like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, dad. Like they're getting it in up here, like on the board thing. And she's just like, it's funny because she says you just see it just quickly like escalate when people got them like they're out there heavy with them and like they're out in public they're out anywhere i mean you're on you're on campus right so they're at different parties they're at other different spots like like in the area and she's like they're going ham mm -hmm. and so like you said it's funny because you you can see how intoxicated how quickly people get and then just the behaviors just go from there sure. so it's you know that's the dangerous aspect of it man um and and it's really scary you know it's something i try to impress upon her is like try your best not to put yourself in a vulnerable position because that's once the blackout thing thing like you're 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 not you you're that whatever the tequila or whatever whatever you're drinking is in there that that's what's happening 
and it's a really unsafe situation. Um, now, there are a couple benefits, right? I don't want to be completely that guy. All right. There are a couple benefits. I feel like it does give you some sort of con- more of a sort of control. Right. So if you're making your own drink, we kind of talked about it earlier. If you have your own drink, there's also kind of reduces the chance or likelihood that you can have your drink spike. Right. Because if you got it in your hand the whole time, then it's less likely that somebody could put something in your drink. So that is one benefit. Um Jay, you mentioned something a little early before we got on air. Is talking about like you can kind of control the content <laughs> in your jug. You know what I mean? I mean, I was kind of making a joke, you know, joking with you, it's, man. Like, it's, but it's a little truth. There's some I, truth I to it. I understand the sentiment, right? Like, so the preventionist was talking about, you know, you can kind of go out there and act like you have a board and pour like water, Gatorade, caffeine, and then like a little bit of liquor or no liquor right. in there. You know, and I'm joking with you, like, you know, where you could pull one shot in there and with the whole gallon and everything else, just nurse it all day. You know, now the odds of we laughing, right, because obviously when we were in that environment, we engaged in, the, you know, the alcohol consumption. But there's probably a student or two out there that, you know, in, in another without that, that that might give them a little bit more comfort. Right. Because say right. they're of a religious orientation or they're just from a conservative family or they're doing certain things for their health or whatever, and they don't want to drink, you know, um, that might be an option. Now they don't have to miss the party or exactly. whatever like, festival they can go out, going out there and be drinking Gatorade all day and nobody knows. So don't listen to me on that one. But there's, you know. not, there's a couple of people that, you know, they uh, maybe they're not as heavy drinker, but you, you know, and I know that that social component is very influential. Right. Like, again, you don't want to miss out on a party. You don't want to look like, for a lack of a better term, like you're the square, you're the cornball that's not drinking. So like you said, you can perpetrate. Right. You can control. Maybe you pour a couple of things in there. It's not as much alcohol content as it is. So there is some aspect of it for depending on the individual for you to kind of control that. So, you know, a little bit, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm not endorsing this at, at all. So please be safe out there with those Borgs. Um yeah, that that's the best I can do. Please be safe. Practice the buddy system. Um, and do not drive or anything else or any other type of uh heavy machinery. All right. All right, Jay. So listen, it's springtime, all right, as we talked about earlier. So every now and then, you know, we uh not only we are are we doctors of psychology, but we are also doctors of love. And Dr. Jay and I are here to tell you how to get yourself and how to cope with a situationship. All right. Now, for those of you that don't know what a situationship is, it is defined as a romantic or sexual relationship that isn't formally defined. However, let's uh, let's have a real conversation, Jay. All right. Let's call this what it is. All right. It's, this is really friends with benefits, F buddies or booty call. Right. That, that's really what this is. All right. So that's what a situationship is. So typically people in the situationships generally aren't exclusively committed to each other. Uh, Typically, they aren't expected to like, you know, fork over a ton of emotional investment. However, while this is casual, noncommittal intimacy may have its benefits for some people at certain stages in their lives. Um, But it also comes with its share of conflict and uncertainty and could be painful to walk away from. So if this applies to you out there, all of our listeners and watchers and viewers, um, we got you covered with three things from psychology today 
that can help you move on once you or your friend with benefits has decided to end the situationship. All right. So the first one that they came up with, they said, is allow yourself to grieve. They said, you might think that you have no right to feel sad or upset when the situationship ends because you believe the relationship was never real in the first place. But they said, here's the thing. Just because someone you associated with romantically or sexually was never considered to be your real part, like those air quotes, all right, uh, doesn't mean that you can't be upset when the person is no longer in your life. Jay, do you agree with that? What, what do you think? Oh, no, I agree with it uh, yeah. totally because I think I think people have to stop. All right, not stop, but I think a lot of times, right? And I'm not talking about every person, so please don't DM me with getting mad about it. But um, I think a lot of times what separates a relationship and a situationship is the word relationship, right? A label, right? For some people. And the only reason why I bring that up is because if you ask people what relation, what a relationship is about, they're going to describe their partner as meeting their needs, right? And they're going to describe their responsibility as meeting their partner's needs, Right. And people get into situationships, booty calls, Friday night, my friend, whatever you want to call it, for a lot of different reasons, right? But they all boil down to getting a need met. It might be sex. It might be companionship. It might be friendship. It might be a rebound. You know, it could be a lot of different things. You could be in a certain stage of life where you're in school, working, and you just need certain needs met, but it comes down to needs, right? Um, and one is going to be needs, you know, kind of without any obligation on the other person's behalf. And the other ones is, is going to be a responsibility to each other, right? With the label. Um, so I think that's, I think when you look at it like that, right, mm. then you can give anybody in a situationship room to grieve and kind of talk about how that relationship has affected them. Um, but again, when you make kind of feelings only exclusive to relationships, which is wholeheartedly incorrect. That's where you end up, you know? It's bizarre world, but that's where you end up, you know? And that's the thing. Um, any type of interpersonal intimacy is going to activate some type of feeling or some form of connection, right? Um, and you have some people that are better at managing it than others. So you have some folks that might catch feelings from the booty call or from the repeated whatever your situationship is. Um, and when it's no longer there... Yeah, you might feel a certain type of way. Um, somebody may. And uh, I think it depends on how long it's been going on, the the, the content or the exclusivity or whatever or what have you. Um, and so, no, there's a, there's a loss there, right? Even if it's just like you being able to rely on that particular situation is no longer there. Yeah, you, I, there's going to be some loss there. So I absolutely um, see grief is involved in there. Uh, the second one is get a different perspective. They said, find someone you trust to talk to about your experience. Maybe you feel embarrassed about having been in the situation ship in the first place, or you're worried about what other people may think. It's hard, but try to let that worry go and instead identify a person in your life with whom you trust um, and respect and share the story with them. I agree with that. Um, getting some support. I feel the key word is reliable, healthy person. All right. Yeah. Especially depending on how the situation ship and every information is not for everybody. Right. So you got some people that might be more judgmental. Some people that might put your business out in the street that you was doing what with who you was doing that with him. What? <laughs> right. 
So there's a reason why it was just a situation shit, right? There was a reason why it was just in the friends with benefits, Netflix and chill, booty call lane, right? So, um, and again, you may feel a certain type of way. So getting a different perspective, I think healthy support that you can, someone that you can kind of vent to, that's not going to put your, your business out in the street and judge you. I feel like that's the way to go. Um, I agree. And then I think, um, you know, the reflection and then looking forward in terms of where your boundaries are going to be for the next situation. Right. Um, I think that's real important, right? Because that helps you kind of, if, whether you're going to be in a relationship, whether you're going to be in a situation to be in it for the right reasons. Right. So you can kind of know while you're in it, is this good for you? Right. Cause a lot of people, you know, whether it be males or females would have issues with a situation because I I'm assuming that there's a fair amount of people, you know, who they're in a situation because it's good for the other person. You understand what I'm saying? Whereas mm -hmm. the alternative is a situation or nothing. If that's the alternative, you know, then it's not a good situation. A situation you know, the expectations, you should be real about them, right? So yeah. you and the person should be honest about your expectations, right? And I think that's one of the problems. I think some people are in situationships and it's a relationship of convenience for the other person, right? Um, or some people are in situationships and it's one-sided in the, in the sense of, you know, they're going into the situationship hoping that it turns into something else, right? And the other person is like, yeah, I'm comfortable with this situationship, right? And what we do know is that inevitably it, it's going to lead to some type of emotional connection or it can, right? And these situationships, relationships, you know, friends with benefits, they're all going to be equally hard. They all can be equally hard to kind of walk away with, walk away from in a sense, right? Um, because you're still sharing time, experiences, feelings. Um, and this may sound controversial, but for some people, the situationship is going to be just as hard to walk away from the relationship with because you'll be surprised how much you might share with a person when you don't have those expectations of them hurting you or leaving you or using something against you. Sometimes we work very differently, right? Um, I'm sure we've all heard of some people, not all, but it's like they're things that they don't share with their partner, but they might share with their friend and they might share with somebody that they don't even know as well as their partner. Right. Mm -hmm. So that may fall under the umbrella of a situation. It's like, yeah, the woman I've been with or the man I've been with for 15 years, if I tell him this, they're going to judge me. Or I'll let him down. Or but the person I just met, there's no expectations there, <laughs> you know? Um, so again, um, I just say that to say all of these things can contribute to you know, these situationships, relationships, friends with benefits, you know, being kind of hard to walk away from because you form connections, your feelings involved, and there's an element of convenience there. And that segues into our third one. It says, get some support from, um, no, I'm sorry, reflect on the boundaries that matter to you. The end of the relationship comes with a major gift tucked inside the pain, the chance to learn and grow. Having stepped away from the situationship, you now have time and space to think about the lessons you can learn from the experience. And that hit it right there on the head. Absolutely use this opportunity to um, ask yourself some self-reflection questions. Like, are you built for this type of relationship or situation? Right. Sure. What are the advantages and the disadvantages? You kind of touched on it earlier. 
not everyone is built for this, right? For some people, like it might have been just that that convenience. For other people, they had different intentions that this was going to grow into something. So this would be a good opportunity for you to ask yourself, all right, is this really me? Is this is this where I'm looking for? Is this kind of like um how I'm holding myself, you know, in, in regards to importance, my own self-esteem, my own self-confidence, am I settling? All these other different questions you should be asking yourself, like after you've gotten out of a, a situation ship um, of like, hey, how was this experience? Is this something you want to continue in this light? Do you want more intimacy? So on and so forth. Um, absolutely. Um, you want to start pinpointing and doing some self-reflection. We're going to your boundaries and your value system. Uh, so this it can be a learning experience. Yeah, man, I, I, I agree again. Um... I mean, I think it's fairly good advice, you know, um, some more obvious than, you know, others. But, you know, again, the key thing I kind of take out of this is, you know, I think there's a lot of like shame associated with some people with being in a situation. Um, mm-hmm. And that's why I think as long as you're real with your expectations and, you know, there's you're not misleading a person. Um, if it's meeting your needs, then. You know, it's, it, there, there's no difference between that and any other relationship, if you ask me. Very true. Very true. And that is your segment from The Love Doctors. You're welcome, America. <laughs> this is how we roll. All right, Jay. Yeah, okay. Anything else? Uh, we covered a lot. Uh, anything else before we get out of here? Uh, nothing much. Again, um, shopmentalhealth.com. Check out Cammy's Closet. Um, and uh, as always, Want to thank my man for steering the trip, uh, steering the ship. Excuse me, it's late. Um, and just want to thank everybody that takes the time to listen all the way to the end. Um, send us messages of encouragement. We appreciate it. Um, and please just continue to like the videos, comment, um, you know, leave your thoughts on the subject. Uh, we really appreciate it. All the feedback. And that's it. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, continue to prioritize your mental health. We're wishing everybody good mental health. Um, it's getting nice outside. So absolutely. We encourage everyone getting outside, get some fresh air, do some walking, some hiking, take advantage of the weather um, because it, it's absolutely has so many different physical and mental health benefits. Uh, other than that, again, I'm going to echo what you, you already mentioned is we appreciate and love the support. Continue to, to tune in and subscribe and like and run off and tell a friend and share all that other good stuff. Um, all right, Jay. This is how we do it. All right, bro. Till next one. Yes, sir. Later.